My name is Craig, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And uh, who enjoyed our Colossians series? Good. And so we finished that last week. And remember, if you are finding great, uh, uh, if you're finding benefit is the word I'm looking for, of being here at Grace, then you can help us out by sharing on your social, by using the uh, pics you can put on your profile images. Uh, if you know somebody that uh, you feel some topic that we've done in the last while would be helpful for them, send them a link. Uh, you know, like we do in every part of life, I'll send you a link. I'll show you where it is. Just, it's so easy. As a church, we try to put so much stuff out there. Then if you're feeling too shy to talk to others, you just put it on your stuff. They will know more about you, right? And so I really want to encourage you, like and share. Um, Social media happens during the week, and our our preach videos go up, but uh, please make the most of just getting the word out. It's uh, one way we can work together. Also, it helps you. Um, We all know, we've all been challenged that we need to uh, be sharing the gospel, right? Pointing people to Jesus. This is a really simple way that uh, we can do that. Good. So who feels ready for Christmas? Okay, one person out of the whole group. <laughs> Maybe you need to give some tips. <laughs> a few years ago, oh, another one, great. A few years ago, uh, we used the language, if you've been around at Grace Cup for quite a while, we used the language better off in January. And because normally January is a troubling time of year, some of you guys will remember that. Uh, over the years that I've preached, uh, I have been known to preach a sermon uh, towards the end of the year called, Don't Be the Christmas Turkey. I trust that you are getting ready for the end of the year, and uh, (laughs) I'm wondering, are anyone feeling challenged by our economy at the moment? I saw yesterday that uh, apparently the UK economy has not grown this month. They're panicking because there's been zero growth this month, and they, they're concerned that it's an impending um, recession. Thank you. Uh, who enjoys putting petrol in your car? <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. When you start, <laughs> if you if you want to stay up at night, then you just... Do yourself a favor and work out how much it costs your car to drive a kilometer. And then when you think, oh, I forgot to get whatever it was at the shops, I'll just pop out quickly. Then ask yourself how many kilometers that is and figure out how much you're going to spend to get there and back. It's quite scary these days, isn't it? Um, How about the cost of groceries? Does anyone have eggs in their house? (laughs) Kathy's got eggs, great. (laughs) Ty, you might have to go back. Hey, it's, it's pretty difficult to get by without, without an egg, right? Um, you, anyone know what the inflation figures this month are or last month? Hey, yeah, I, went, I don't have it written down, but it's tough, isn't it? And um, around the world, we're realizing that our confidence in money is being shaken, right? It's amazing when you look back in history, we think like you might think of your parents or maybe your grandparents. They, they didn't have as much as we have, right? They, they really didn't have enough. They could have smaller houses because they left stuff to put in the cupboards. Um, they didn't have as, as much as we had, but somehow they got by. It's like in our generation, we have a whole bunch more stuff, but we're closer to the, to the edge. We're closer to the, the, the edge of the cliff than ever in history before. Yeah? 
And so this morning I want to welcome you to our new three-part series called Don't Talk About Money, and it's the series where we talk about money. If you've been around, you would have seen this series before, and I'm absolutely fine with that because it's helpful for us to be reminded. Maybe you just need some encouraging to keep on going or to put things right, so put right in the right order, and uh, maybe you just need to be encouraged. Maybe you're facing some decisions, and it's a helpful reminder how to navigate your way forward with money. In terms of Christmas, I'm helping you out, I'm telling you. And over the next few weeks, uh, Wes will preach next week and I'll do the next one. So the two of us are here to try and help us out. Warning, warning. Black Friday is when? I like it. (laughs) We'll, We'll talk about that in a little while. When you start to consider Christmas shopping, you know what happens? The, uh, the normal person goes out Christmas shopping, we buy our Christmas presents, and then on Christmas, we give Christmas presents that cost us too much to people we may or may not like, who may or may not like the presents, and then we spend January and February and maybe even March paying them off. I'd like to say to you this morning, danger, danger, don't go down that road. If I honestly was, if I was one of your family members and I knew that I was putting, your gift to me was putting you under that pressure, I would rather go without. I really would. I know it's difficult the other way around. It's hard not to give a gift. I'm not bashing gifts, but I'm saying, let's be careful that in January we actually can be better off, that we won't be the Christmas turkey. And I'm going to hopefully help you <laughs> to figure that out. There's a reason they call it January. Next year, we will be running our finance course, which is called Financial Peace University. It teaches us how we can have peace in terms of our money. And uh, so hopefully this will pique your interest. And when you see the dates advertised next year, man, you need to sign up straight away. If If you haven't done it before, I really would encourage you. If you have done it before, I'd encourage you to come along again because it has this this uh, camaraderie effect. You go through it with a, with a group of people, and it keeps you on track. And so at the Euro Equip uh, in May this year, Colette and I were asked to do a two-part money series in the breakout sessions, a two-part workshop in our, in, uh, around money. And so we called it Money on Mission. We called it Money on Mission. And why do we give it that title? Well, because the way we relate to our own money often enables us to make godly choices and to follow the mission that God has placed on our lives. Or the way we handle our money can be the very thing that hinders us answering the Lord. Yeah, there's a lovely video uh, that gets played in the Financial Peace University where this lady is now debt-free, she's got, a, she's got savings, she's financially sound, and she says, I stood up and I walked past my boss towards the door, and, and I, ha- I, I wasn't enjoying my job, and so I was ready to leave. And the boss said, where do you think you're going? It's not knock-off time yet. And she says, I'm going anywhere I want to. Because she was no longer giving him authority over her life through the thing called a paycheck. And so that's why we called it Money on Mission, because God has a mission for this church. Would you agree? He really does. Sometimes it takes money. Sometimes it's, it, it takes ministry. God has 
a mission for your life, and we would love to help walk you uh, through and into that mission. We really would. God has a mission for your life. But sometimes the way we've lived our lives around money hinders us from doing the very thing that we want to do. Does make sense? So I need to give you some examples. Years ago, we, uh, we, we, we led a church that had a school, and we were in the process of looking for a new headmaster. And uh, someone was recommended to us. We sat down uh, with the couple, uh, Colette and I, and them over a coffee, and uh, we just began to ask some questions. It was kind of an a early days interview. And this guy said, you know, it's, it's amazing. I've, I feel called uh, to shepherd and feel called to, to education, but the week that we set up that appointment, a very lucrative um, opportunity to go into business with someone had come up. There was an opportunity for um, uh, a promotion in the school where he was teaching, and then we were coming along saying, we have a school that's run by our church. We're looking for someone that can both be headmaster and elder uh, in time. And so in that moment of God calling him to the next step of his the mission on his life, all of a sudden he had three very tempting offers. Now, depending on where his finances were at, it would have been easier or harder not just to pick the most financially lucrative offer. Make sense? Maybe the Lord's put on your heart to do something that will take money to do it. Yeah? And you don't have the money, you probably can't do it. What about if the Lord says, hey man, I'd, you know, um, whatever it is, I'd, I'd like you to host someone. Well, do you have stuff to host them with, or, or how does it go? Sometimes the way we've lived our, our money life hinders us in following the Lord when He prompts us. Can I ask you, do you have peace when it comes to money? When I say the, money, the word money, do you go, ah. or do you go, oh my goodness, Lord? You get that feeling in your stomach. What about when you think of the future, what the, what the future will hold? Do you have peace? I know the Lord will care for us. I know the Lord will look out for us. But there's certain things that we can do too. And so that's it. We look forward to seeing you at Financial Peace University next year. Sometimes people get uncomfortable when we talk about money at a church. Maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable at the moment. I hope you can forgive us. It would be the same as going to the doctor and just asking them to give you pills. And when the guy says, you know, you should eat right, stop smoking, exercise a little bit, we say, who dare, how dare you? Who do you think you are to teach me how to live a healthy life? The Bible is full of finances. In fact, Jesus spoke more about money than any other topic. So part, as elders at Grace Cup, part of our responsibility to give you a balanced diet is to talk about money. Let me paint a picture for you. As we read these next bunch of scriptures, I wonder if you would maybe just find some kind of interior space in your mind. Imagine the very descriptive passages. Imagine what they would look like if you were part of that world. So Ezekiel chapter 47 and verse 7. It says, when I arrived there, this is uh, the, the Lord gave the prophet a vision. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. I love the fact that the trees are on both sides of the river. It shows that there's, there's trees for people wherever they are in the river. Verse 9 says, Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water, because this water flows, 
there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Don't you love that, that, that image? Where the river flows, everything will live. If you're feeling that there's little life in certain areas of your world, maybe it's because the river's not flowing there. Because the Bible says that where there's salt water, the fresh water, the godly water flows there and it turns the salt water into fresh water. Why is fresh water important? Because fresh water produces fruit. Uh, next slide. Thank you. It says, fishermen will stand along the shores from Engedi to Eneglam. There will be places for the spreading of the nets. Fish of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. All right. Fruit trees will, of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their fruit will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Doesn't that sound amazing? Uh, Sarah came to our house the other day and she brought us a housewarming gift, this beautiful uh, potted plant. And uh, we put it in the pride of place in our house. We haven't quite figured out where the sun shines. And uh, in about an hour, one morning, am I right? <laughs> in about an, in an hour, one morning this week, that whole plant shriveled up because it got scorched by the sun. Colette took it out and she, she drenched it with water, put it next to the, the kitchen sink, and we kept watering and kept watering fresh water, and Sarah, it lives. <laughs> All it needed was the right conditions, the right environment. And I'm wondering what kind of environment we are in. It says fruit trees. Remember, fruit trees, the fruit are for other people. And their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will never fail. Imagine being those people, no matter what year of your life it is, you've got fruit to share with others. It says their fruit will serve for food and the leaves for healing. Revelation chapter 2 verse 2, it gives us the same picture, the final the final uh, chapters of the Bible point us to that exact same uh, image. It says, on the side of the river, uh, on the side of the river stood the tree of life. Do you notice the language? If you were to study these passages, you would then do the word study and say, hold on, tree of life. I know I've heard of that one before somewhere. Where is it? You'd go to Genesis. There was a tree of life in the garden. You'd look through some of the other passages and you'd be able to understand this isn't just a tree that's living. It's a tree that offers life. It says it bears 12 crops of fruit. Why? Because in every month there's fruit. Isn't that amazing? How are you in winter? Not when it's cold outside, but when you're in winter, is there still fruit for others? Or are you so shriveled up and leafless that there's nothing for anyone around you? 12, 12 crops every month. And again, it tells us for the healing of the nations. Grace Cove, can I ask us, are you under any impression that Grace Cove does not exist for the healing of the nations? If you, have, if you are, we need to talk quick because we talk about this a lot. That we would be blessed by the Lord and so we would be a blessing to all nations, the scripture says. Psalm 1 verse 3. It says, that person, speaking of the godly man, godly woman, that person is like a what? It's like a tree. Don't you love these, this language? Planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Psalm 84, we spent a lot of time on this passage this year. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Remember that part, pilgrim people, huh? As they pass through the valley of Baca, which is the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. Again, can I ask, 
Are you turning the dry places or the, 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 the places of mourning in your life and around you, are you able to help turn those into places of springs? Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives life to, light to anyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. I'm so challenged about this passage and, and I have to say for us as a church, because we all realize that we're supposed to point to Jesus. We all realize that our, quote, Christian duty is to bring people to salvation and to what we call witness, provide our testimony to point people to Jesus. But somehow there's this, there's this gap between what we feel we should do and what actually happens. Am I right? Am I right? It's just the truth. Remember we said if we each could just invite one person to church this year and they stuck, the church would double. Yeah? What about your life group? <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, right? It says here, no, they put the, the lamp on a stand. In the same way, let your light. There's things that you and I live by that should be so obvious to the people around us that we actually don't even have to say anything. We wait for them to ask us questions. Imagine that. Imagine that. Let your light shine. Okay? They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Proverbs 31. Are there ladies that are like get a nervous twitch the moment I say Proverbs 31? It's this beautiful passage which speaks about a godly lady. And sometimes we've used, we, others, have used that, you know, to say, hey, ladies, you, re- you, you better pull up your socks. That's not the point whatsoever. But there's this beautiful, beautiful verse towards the end of that passage. It says, speaking of this noble lady, it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. And she can laugh at the days to come. You know, when your industry is retrenching, and there's talk of, uh, what do they call it, restructuring. You know, when you lose a key client, or all of a sudden we go into lockdown and your business is irrelevant for nearly two years. When something shifts and changes changes around you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it to laugh or is it to panic? This godly lady somehow has strength and dignity even under trial. So much so that she can laugh at the days to come. All of these passages speak of an environment where there's confidence, blessing, generosity, and purpose. It's the very opposite of worry, panic, fear, and survival. Have you felt any of those this week? I have. Hey? Panicked a little bit? You've been worried? The Bible says we shouldn't worry. Okay, I won't worry. No, it's a little more difficult than that. I have to get to do business with the Lord. We panic. We're nervous of the future, right? Do you notice that the key in all of these passages is this little word, life, capital L. That those people who are part of God's kingdom are environment changers. We live in a different environment, and we actually can bring that environment to the people that are near us. These people that we've read about live differently, and hopefully others can live differently because of us. 
God, our generous Father, has designed and destined us to be a source of life to others, to live in the flow of His blessing so that we in turn can be a blessing to others. So here we go. Don't talk about money, the series where we talk about money. The first episode today that we're going to talk about is normal sucks because normal is broke. Am I allowed to use that word in church? Thank you. Next week, we'll look at playing with snakes. Debt is dangerous. And on the third week, we'll look at living like no one else. I trust you'll stick around for this series. I can tell you that the, the, the things that we'll talk about in the next three weeks, Colette and I have put into our lives, and they have changed our world in the last almost five years radically. The way we manage the finances of this church have changed because of these components. I trust you'll get to that place where you can laugh at the future. All right, so why be normal is the question. Why be normal? Many of us are still trying to win at the game of life, but we're playing by the same rules and wondering why we don't get what we want. Have you noticed that this system, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so just relax, I'm not... I'm not trying to sell you a, a weird story, but have you noticed that the society, the system that we trade in, that we live in, is not set up to make you and I get ahead? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed? We play by the same rules, and then we wonder why we fail. The rules are set for us not to succeed, and when we use those rules, we wonder why we don't succeed. The Bible shows us a different plan of action that we can succeed in. And normally what happens is we just play by the same rules harder. I'm not making enough money, so what do I do? I work overtime. I, 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 I get tired, I neglect my family, and, and we think that there's ways, but all we're doing is we're using the same rules harder. Oh, if I just borrow more money, then I can invest that money, then I can, I'll have a better system in the end. But we're just using the same rules again. We're thinking, we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result is what? Form of insanity. And we find we trade in this, our cultural setup, in the same way. The results are clear, but somehow we think we're different and special, and uh, it won't be, those rules don't apply to us. Normal puts us in a place where we are no longer in control when God wants us to be free. For most of us, the picture I, plant, I painted from these scriptures are not our normal. Normal is broke. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll prove it to you in a minute. I want these things to settle in. The financial peace slogan is where debt is dumb. Can we have that slide? Debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid off mortgage has replaced the BMW as a status symbol of choice. South Africans love their cars, don't we? Hey, in fact, we probably spend more on our cars than many countries. Our cars are expensive here. But man, people would rather have a fancy car than a fancy house in South Africa, by and large. Yeah? You go to a meeting in a small car, <laughs> people think of you a certain way. You go to a meeting in a fancy car, they think of you in a different way. Jesus calls us to stand out, to be salt and light, not just to be normal like everyone else. The average South African earns somewhere between 
6 and 40,000 rand a month. Can you note the difference? <laughs> 6 and 40. It's a pretty wide range. It's because of our, our country is in trouble. We have such a wide range of, of incomes, very low employment rate. You guys know all this stuff. I don't need to tell you again. But let's say, for example, uh, uh, sorry, so a range between 6 and 40,000 rand salary. The average salary uh, is 24,000 rand. The median salary is 30,000 rand. Okay, you got those figures. Just so that you know, <laughs> some of us are sitting there, ha, ah, suckers, I earn more than that. I earn more than that. Others of us are saying, oh, they, they must be sinning to earn so much money. They must be evil because I don't earn nearly any, you know, close to that. Well, I'm not asking you to tell me the numbers, but it's amazing how it changes our heart, right? South Africans who could cover an emergency of 1,000 rands from their savings, only half of us, 51% of South Africans, could manage a 1,000 rand emergency without going into debt or selling something. You think, oh, it's fine, Craig, I'm not in debt, I just swiped my card. You pay interest on that money if you don't pay it back quick enough putting someone in charge over that money. Emergency of 5,000, only 39% of South Africa could manage. This is the employed people, not just the population. What about a 10,000 rand emergency? That sounds to me like a clutch. (laughs) Or a dishwasher. Because you're saying, what, 1,000 rand, 10,000 rand? I'll never have an emergency like that, trust me. It's called the deposit on braces. If your children are of that age, yes, co-payments, it's called, um, yeah, it's called a broken foot, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's called the excess on insurance. We all think that our lives are fine, man, our lives are so tenuous. We all thought we had secure jobs and then COVID came, right? Yeah. 25% 25% of us could fix the, fix the dishwasher or replace it if we needed to. If, if there's any reason to get our money lives in order, that's it. Otherwise, you're washing by hand, friend. Right? You know that F&B says that less than 6% of their middle-income customers have an emergency savings that would see themselves through the loss of a regular income for three months or more. That's F&B, 6% have enough money to not earn a salary for three months. It's getting very quiet in here. I'm just trying to explain to you what normal looks like. Because you're all saying, oh, Craig, I'm not normal. I'm special. I'm saying we're pretty normal. The Debt Rescue Fund in South Africa says that 60% of our population are struggling to meet their monthly payments on their home loans and their credit cards. 45% of South Africans are struggling to keep up to date with their payments. 23% of South Africans have money left at the end of the month. (laughs) Some of you guys have got, end of the month? Like, I'm lucky if I get to the sixth. And then we just hang on. Yeah? Tell me I'm lying. (laughs) If 23% have money, that means that 77% of South Africa is flat broke by the end of the month with no hope of saving any money. We live paycheck to paycheck. And we run out and we think maybe next week, next month will be, any, will be better. It's 
Apparently not, according to the stats. 75% of South Africans, oh, sorry, the average South African owes 75% of their income. So the day you get, the day you get your salary clearing in your account, 75% is gone. Dali Daniel said, for too long, the subnormal has become the normal so that the normal is now considered the supernatural. So when you at a bra with your friends and everyone's complaining about their credit card balances and you say, oh, I don't have a credit card, they look at you like you crawled out of cheese because that's not normal. It's not normal. I need to tell you a story, but I need to hide the details. Um, <laughs> Colette and I have a medical hospital plan. Somewhere along the line, I got a broker. I never asked for him, but anyway, there it is. I think I frustrate him because every time he calls a meeting, do the annual, uh, he, he tells me of all the points and benefits that I could earn if I just had the right card. And so I said, great, is it a debit card? Uh, no, sorry, it's a credit card. Yeah, you see, they're clever. And so we get a whole lot less benefits from our medical and life insurance world simply because I refuse to open a credit card. Do you think they're giving the money away? Do you think the money that they give you on benefits doesn't come from some broke single mother? Some guy who can't make his car payments? That's normal. Some of these guys offer you a fancy watch or a phone. I'll just sign up here. Two years. No problems. That's their clever system for making sure they've got you as a customer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Must I go softer? <laughs> I have to say, Colette, Colette and I were in the same boat. We thought we were doing well. We really did. We had a budget. We didn't go into debt. But my goodness, it just felt we were always catching up. I would never have spent, this, this watch is so old. Um, what's his name? He always checks it out. He says, oh, it's only one of those. Um, because, um, yeah, yeah. because when it came to the end of its two years, the guy said, oh, great, we can give you a watch and a phone next time. I'm like, yeah, then you've got me for another two years. I'm going to live free, not normal. Not normal. Yeah. <laughs> Our friends get shiny, shiny, and we think that they're rich. They're just making the bank rich. Let me move on. This is a hobby horse. I need to climb off of. Sound familiar to you? You know that money is the number one issue married couples argue about statistically? When we do marriage prep, just like Mike and Lily have been doing um, over the last while, when we do marriage preparation classes here at Grace Cove, one of the main things we talk about is money. Because if we can get you guys sorted with your money, it means that there's 73% less things to argue about. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So, normal sucks because normal is broke. I don't want to be normal. So is there another way? Well, Ramsey Solutions in America did the largest study of dollar millionaires that have ever been done in, in America. It was over 10,000 people that they interviewed, and then they collated all the, the findings into a list that looks like this. And they found out that one of the top three professions of 
millionaires in America is teacher. Who's a teacher here? No teachers. Are they all busy teaching the kids next? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Top three careers is a teacher. 97% of these millionaires didn't inherit enough money to make it uh, a factor in their millionaire status. Because you all think, oh, the rich guys, oh, they had a rich parent or a rich auntie. 80% of them exercise at least three times a week. These are not normal people. 63% of them graduated from public schools. South Africa, we all try and send our kids to private schools. These guys went to government schools. 66% of them have paid their house off in an average of 11 years. Uh, have I got a, had a, the average size of their homes is 260 square meters, not 500, not 1,000, not 14 jacuzzis and you know 72 gold taps. 55% of them give to charities and churches on a regular monthly basis. 50% of them had a B average or less in school. That's me. <laughs> the or less part, just in case you, just to make sure my brag. <laughs> Is there a different way? Apparently, because guys like this, like if you were talking to a guy that told you this stuff around a brow, you'd be thinking, shame, I'm better than him. But he's got a million to his name. Is there a different way? Absolutely, there is. My third question for you this morning is, why does normal suck so much? Why is it so bad to be normal? Well, do you know, in South Africa, the bank will give you 30% of your gross income, gross income no less, towards your house mortgage, your, your bond. Do you know that? 30%. They'll give you 20% of your gross earnings towards your car payment or payments. Anyone done the math yet? What is 30 plus 20? Ulrika's got it. Like even I know it's 50%, which equals half of gross. Of gross. Do you know that, yo, I'm stepping on all of your toes. In this series, you don't have to do what I'm telling you about. Because I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just telling you about but what I would love you to do is just to think it through over the next three weeks. That's all. You can, you can stay normal. You're welcome. Ramsey always says, you know, we, we, it's, there's a clear process. We can get you out of debt. And if you don't like it, you can get straight back in. If, if not being normal is no good for you, you can become normal again. The bank will help you out. All right, so 20 plus 50 is half. And if you're a Christian, then the first 10% goes to your tithe, right? We're now down to 60%. And you haven't even paid tax yet. You're getting why normal is so sucky? So no wonder we feel like we work as hard as we can, earn all the money we can, and we still don't have as much money as we need just to live comfortably and not worry about money. So let's do some sums with you this morning. So if the average income is 24 grand, if we round it down to 20, just to make round figures, if you're a Christian, you start with 20, 10% goes to your tithe, right? That leaves you with 18. The, the tax man comes along and graciously takes 3,000 rand of your, your money, and that leaves you with 15. Then the bank will give you, ah, I've got those two the wrong way around. The bank will give you 6,000 rand for your house, that leaves you with nine. They'll give you 4,000 rand a month towards your car. That leaves you with 5,000 5, rand 
to get through the whole month on. <coughs> Let's look at a 50,000 rand family income. First of all, five grand goes to your tithe, right? 13,000 goes to tax. You're left with 32. 15,000 goes to your car. Uh, have I got those the wrong way around again? I have. And um, 10,000 goes to your car, 15 to your house. That leaves you with 7,000 rand in your pocket. Do you notice something? The difference between earning 20,000 and 50,000 is 30,000 rand. If you do the normal, if you trade in the society the way the banks and everyone else says you should, your car older than 100,000 kilometers, oh, it's not safe. Of course you change your car every three years because you put children in the car. They'll never survive by driving in a car that doesn't have air con. My family has been driving in a car for nearly a year without aircon. They, they're still here. Do you notice? This guy earns, or this family earns 30 grand more. They've only got two grand more to show for it at the end of the month. 20 leaves you with five. 50 leaves you with seven. You understand how terrible normal is? And so what do we do? We just play those rules harder. I'm going to get a better car for that money. Instead of understanding that we're being crooked. You ever feel like you work too hard to be as broke as you are? I've got such good news for you. I've got such good news. More than 16 million people have been through this financial peace university around the world. It's very simple. It's clear. It's not easy. It's simple and clear. And you can follow these steps. You'll, you'll be right. So normal means work takes off my tax, the bank takes off my car and bond installments. Then I need to feed my family, send them to school and keep the lights and the water on. And when I look again, how on earth can I even afford to put God first? I just don't have the money, Lord, I'm sorry. So our contention, if we can lead you to becoming non-normal, to becoming at peace with your money, it's so much easier to respond to the Lord. My last point for this morning is simply to look at some of the characteristics of people that are not normal. Number one, well, let me read this passage first. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. It says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Don't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. Makes sense, hey? Colette and I are friends with a couple called Mike and Debbie Graves. They lead it. They're South Africans who 20, maybe five years ago, went to Canada to plant a church. They uh, lead a church on Vancouver Island. We went to preach there a few years ago, and uh, he has a speedboat that, he co- that cost him $250,000. No, 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 sorry, twenty... $2,500, $2,500, $2,500, okay? You can't buy a car for that. He put us in the boat, and from the Vancouver Island, you can get right into the ocean. And you've got uh, all these pleasure cruise liners, these fancy yachts, all these uh, fishing trips. He takes us out and the engine smokes and uh, he has to kick it into gear. And at one stage, the end wouldn't start. We had to pull, pull that rope over and over again. And uh, we had a great time. He, we pulled into a floating restaurant and gassed all the people out on the, on, on the deck. It was wonderful. And I was feeling so embarrassed. He says to me, hey, Craig, you know the difference between my boat and that guy's boat. He says, well, this was 2,500 bucks. That was probably closer to 500,000 or million. 
He says, but you know what the difference, the, you know what the similarity is? He says, we both catch the same fish. Still gets you from A to B. These people who are not normal exercise, number one, self-control. They exercise self-control. Adults are those people that make a plan and stick to it. Children are those who do whatever they feel like in the moment. Can I ask you, are you an adult or are you a child? These people aren't swayed to buy something simply because they want it or it's on sale, (coughs) Black Friday. (laughs) I hope you make the most of these discount sales coming up. And by that I mean I hope you use the cash that you've been saving to put aside to pay for that thing. Someone literally shivered. They're wise enough to know that purchasing something isn't going to erase all their problems and make them feel better. It feels cool buying something new, doesn't it? How long does it last? Well, <laughs> I was in traffic the, oh, about a year ago, and this um, Porsche uh, 911 came past me. And I was like, whew, nice car. You know, it was like the Lord was helping me. Because then right behind him pulled up the better version, the GT3. And I'm thinking, that poor guy, the first Porsche, must be going, oh, man, one of these days I'm going to have a nice car. Right? We've got to learn self-control. They know how to say no now so that they can say yes later. People that are not normal aren't afraid to say no. People that are not normal set goals. They set goals that are specific, measurable, time-sensitive, and in writing. You and I should have goals written down in the next two years. We've had to do this with our uh, ties in his second-year university. Jamie's finishing Matric now. University don't come cheap, right? And so we've had to have some very clear goals in our family to say if we want our kids to get to university, these are the goals. Then we better work backwards. It means a certain thing. Able to set goals. They figure out what they want to do and then they map out a strategy to make it happen. Ask yourself, what do I want? And then ask yourself, what has to be true for that to happen? Nothing wrong with having stuff. Just figure out how we get there. Number four, they're willing to make sacrifices. They're willing to make sacrifices to live differently now so that later we'll be able to live differently then. They have a clear image of their preferred future and are willing to do what it takes to get there. Number five, they don't compare. Can you say Facebook, Instagram? Social media of every kind. It's a great comparison tool, isn't it? <laughs> you see the stuff your friend wants to show you and then you compare it to the stuff you don't want to show others. They don't compare. I'm okay. And finally, not normal people are generous. It's not normal to be generous. It's not normal to be generous because God is generous and man has fallen. And so when we are generous, we are most like the Father. they Dead-free people know that they have the freedom to live and to give generously. Colette and I were once hosted in Australia by a newly remarried couple from the church. And so, you know, when there's a second marriage, it takes time before you can like, solidify the relationship. And one of the problems in this marriage, they, they gave us a head up. They said, listen, the marriage is under strain, so you might need to help. We said, thanks a lot. We, you know, we thought we'd just be looked after by them. 
One of the, the, the issues was this lady was swiping her credit card like there was no tomorrow. She would go shopping all the time. Ladies, stick with me. I'm not uh, bagging the ladies. And she would just swipe the card. And this poor husband was like, uh, our debt is going up and up. You know what helped her shift from a credit card to a debit card? Finally, someone showed her that if you're not paying interest, you can buy 25% more stuff. You know, if you buy a car on HP, every fourth car belongs to the bank. I don't have enough money to be buying the bank's cars. I don't know if you do. They're generous. This lady realized if she wasn't living in credit, she could actually have money to give. They live like no one else so that later they can live like no one else. Let me bring this to a close. You might be sitting in this building feeling bewildered or depressed after hearing what I've had to say. You might even be angry with me saying, Craig, what kind of a preacher? You should be telling us about Jesus, not about how to live our lives. I'm not. I'm just asking you to think. Maybe you're even angry with me or disagree with me. That's fine. That's fine. I've got no dog in this fight. I do know that there is a way that that God can uh, ask us to live that brings peace. And so I'm asking you to think. There's a bunch of guys at Grace Cove who have gone through this process and have great testimonies to tell. You're welcome to disagree with the things that I've said. You're welcome to go get your Edgar's account and your 72-month car installments with a 30% residual. You're welcome. I don't do grocery shopping often, but when I go and buy bread and milk and they ask me, do you want that on straight or budget, sir? But there's a problem. Right? And so over the next three, three weeks, I'm hoping that we will stir you and give you enough practical handles on how you and I can live free and live in peace with our lives. Let's stand together. Thanks, dude. Yeah, so his banner of you is peace if you do the Financial Peace University course. Anyway. Let's have a peaceful university. A peaceful university. Yeah. Just pray that you guys have a wonderful Sunday. Please join us for coffee and rusks outside. Let's have a great time of fellowship.